Last week, you guys started a new series called Heroes. Heroes, where you're talking about uh, heroes of the faith, and, and you're talking particularly about this guy named Noah. And uh, so you began this, and, and really, it just kind of the reason why uh, this series and this talk about heroes, why it hits home, is because we all have, uh, we're all like inclined to stories of of heroic actions. It's why you, you love movies that have a hero that comes through at the end, right? What's your favorite hero movie? Come on, just yell it out, yell it out. Avengers, I got you. We're, 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 yeah. We're drawn, we're drawn to these heroic films. It's why we, we tweet or re-share whatever, like videos of people doing heroic things, lifting cars off of small babies and like crazy heroic things. I don't know if that's ever happened, but something like that. I mean, we just love these stories of someone who had their back against the wall, but they just rose to the occasion and they came through and did something heroic, right? How many, have, you ever, have you ever wanted to be a hero? And then, uh, so you like went after it, you tried, but then it didn't work out quite like you were, like we all have this desire to be a hero. And so you went, you went for it, maybe you asked that girl out on a date and it didn't, didn't happen. Like you wanted to be a hero, but then it just didn't. I, I wanna tell you guys a story uh, of maybe the most embarrassing moment of my life. I've told it here at church before, maybe you've heard it, uh, those of you that go to C12. But um, when I was in college, I went to college at Liberty University in Virginia. Lynchburg, Virginia, and uh, so I was in college. I was kind of this like too cool for school type dude, and uh, oftentimes just kind of put my hood on and my beats on, and just went to class, didn't talk to nobody. Just and, and, and my way of getting around, I had this one class all the way here, and then the next class all the way over there. How many of you go to like a giant high school, and it's tough to get to your next class on time? You're always late. Yeah. So I had that in college, and I could never get on time. And I would drive. I couldn't find a parking spot. It was awful. And so one day, my professor was like, hey, Austin, I'm going to have to kick you out of this class if you don't start getting here in time. I was like, all right, bro. I'll figure out a way. And so I knew that driving wasn't an option because I was having a hard time finding a parking spot, and walking wasn't an option. And so Liberty had this transit system, like a bus transit system that most schools have, but it was not the cool place to go. It was, uh, you know, that's where all the awkward couples went, and they were just super weird. And, uh, like, I was the cool. I drove my car. I didn't ride a bus. But I was like, all right, I'm going to try this bus thing, okay? So I remember the day very clearly when I walked out of, of my classroom, and I walked outside to the bus stop. And what I encountered is something I'll never, ever forget. I walked out, and as soon as I get out there, there's this giant line, like, it looked like I was waiting for Tower of Terror or something. Like, a giant line waiting to get on this bus. And I thought, man, I'm going to be even more late waiting on the bus than I was with my original plan of driving. So I thought, this is ridiculous. So, you know, like the leader I am, I started thinking through other options. This is what men do, right? We're just, we're, this isn't going to work. I got to think through something else. And uh, so I thought, hmm, we got to figure out what else to do here. So what I noticed was that everyone was waiting to get on the front door of the bus. But what I noticed is that there was this back entrance to the bus that everyone was walking off of, okay? You get, so we go in this way and we come out this way, right? That's how it works. And uh, what I noticed is that everyone would come off the bus in the back entrance, but no one was going in the back entrance. And so I thought, this is ridiculous, man. I'm going to figure this thing out 
and, and I'm going to solve this problem. So I, I kind of, uh, <laughs> I just kind of looked around, walked up a little bit, didn't think anyone was watching me, and snuck my tail onto that bus. And as soon as I got through the back entrance, just bypassed everybody. And as soon as I got like one step onto the bus, the doors rapidly shut on me. Okay? So rapidly shut on me, and they catch me right in my book bag. So I'm halfway in the bus, halfway out the bus. You got the picture here? And so I'm like this, and I'm stuck, and the door's making like all these loud noises, and I'm sitting here like shaking the thing. I couldn't get it off, and I'm getting embarrassed. I'm like, oh, man, people behind me probably videoing me. I'm about to be on the YouTube as like the embarrassing kid, right? Uh, And so I'm like, golly, what am I doing? And so I start freaking out. Adrenaline starts pumping like I just took a pre-workout or something, and I start freaking out, and, and all of a sudden I become like the Hulk. And I simply, I take my hands like this, And I just, with all my might, with all the adrenaline in me, I pushed these doors open, and I ended up breaking them off the hinges. Broke these doors off the hinges, right? Heroic, crazy, I'm awesome, just bypassed everyone, and I walked my little tail up to a seat and sat down and got ready for the bus to leave. Unbelievable. I'm a hero, right? And uh, I figured people saw me, but I was the cool guy because I just broke the doors, right? And so, I kid you not, I get on the bus, and we start taking off toward class, and uh, I'm thinking the, the, the doors wouldn't shut properly because I broke them off the hinge, so they're a little bit open, but not open enough where like someone could fall through because that would scare me a little bit. But um, So we, we start driving, and I kid you not, this girl drops her cell phone, and it falls down the stairs and out the cracked door onto the streets of the school. And so she starts yelling, at the bus driver, she's like, stop the bus, my cell phone. And all of her friends join in. They're like, oh my gosh, you got to stop the bus. You got to stop the bus. Her cell phone's falling on the street. And I'm like, keep going. Going to be late for class. Keep going. You know, and, and so I'm just keep going. So bus driver just keeps going. He was the dude. He kept going. Didn't stop for nobody. And then uh, we get to my destination. I get off the bus. And it was awesome. And I was the hero. Not really, though. Like, I, I, was, I wanted to be such a hero and bypass the line and make my own entrance onto the bus and do everything. Like, we all have this desire, and every day something in us stands out and says, I got to be a, a hero. And I would just ask the question, uh, how are you being a hero in your faith? Like, is it, is it possible for you to be a hero in your faith? And what does that even look like? Like, we all want to be heroes in life, and maybe we dream of that moment, and maybe you'll have a moment where you get to be heroic in life, but what about being heroic in your faith? The story that you guys are reading in Noah is a phenomenal story, but you can actually read a little bit about it in Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament. There's this passage of scripture in um, Hebrews 11, and, and it talks about these a bunch of different characters, people in the Bible that, uh, that did phenomenal things for God. And this passage has become known as a, uh, these are heroes of the faith people. And, and Noah is one of those people. It talks about him. He's a hero of the faith. And so I want to I read uh, kind of the next passage of scripture in Genesis that you guys started with uh, last week in Genesis chapter 6. And we're going to pick up in verse 13. You guys read the Bible here at age 12? Come on. Do you love the Bible here at age 12? I love it. I love it. Genesis chapter 6, verse 
13, page 6 in your Bible, very beginning. And leading up to this, here's what you need to know. Leading up to this moment in the Bible, everyone had abandoned their faith. Everybody had abandoned their faith. No one cared about God. Uh, everyone turned their back on God and faith, uh, except for Noah. Noah was the one guy, you guys talk about Noah was the one guy who was faithful. And he stood up for God. And this is God's plan, starting in verse 13. It says this, so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So God's plan is to destroy the earth and everyone who inhabited it because it become so disgusting, so evil, so bad. So verse 14, it says, so make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. And then God proceeds to give exact measurements for how he wanted Noah to build the ark. And you can read through it a couple of verses, but here's what you need to know. Um, I'm going to skip the video just because we're, we're short on time. Here's what you need to know about the ark. It's massive. It's huge. We're not talking about a little bitty like canoe or a little bitty yacht. We're talking about a massive boat. So uh, some people believe that it was uh, actually not some people. It's, it's the measurements. It's three football fields long. Okay. A giant boat, a large task for Noah to build this boat, right? And, 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 and this is not like a day job. This is not a part-time job that Noah gets. This is not uh, even just a year job. Some scholars believe that it took over a hundred years to build this ark. Took how long? It took a hundred years to build this ark. But God commanded him to do that. And I want to pick up in verse 22. Here's the, here's the main verse that you need to hear. Verse 22, it says this. And Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. I don't know about you, but I want to have a faith like Noah. I want to have a faith like Noah where God tells me to do something and I just do it. I don't have to ask a whole lot of questions. I don't have to know uh, how it's going to end up. I don't, I don't need to know all the details. I just know when God asks me to do something, I do it. Wouldn't it be great if it could be said of you one day, and Austin did all that God commanded of him, and Tripp did all that God commanded of him, and so-and-so did all that God commanded of him. I want to have a faith like Noah. So tonight, uh, I just want to give you two short things, two things that I think we can learn uh, from the story of Noah. And I want to give you two reasons why I believe we don't have faith like Noah. Two reasons why we don't have faith like Noah. Maybe something worth writing down. You don't have to take notes. It's a free country, uh, but there is a special place in heaven for those who do. It's a joke. Number one, you ready? If you're ready, tell me amen. amen. Come on, I like you, I like you. Number one is this. The reason we don't have faith like Noah is we're not convinced that his plan is worthy of becoming my priority. We're not convinced that his plan is worthy of becoming my priority. See, we know how God has designed us to live life. 
God has given us clear instructions in the scriptures of a plan for how to live life. You can read it in the Bible. Here's how I would have designed for you to live life. We can read about how God wants us to love people. We can read about how God wants us to serve people, how he wants us to forgive people, uh, how he wants us to do relationships. It's all right there. We can have it. The problem is, is on the other end, we also have how everyone else is doing life, right? So we have God's plan and we have everyone else's plan. And sometimes they seem like they're so opposite. They're so different. We got, this is how God wants me to love people, but yet this is how uh, the world says, eye for an eye. This is a whole different like, culture. I don't, I don't know how, what, what God says. And most of us, most of us are not convinced that God's plan is worthy of becoming my priority. Most of us question God in that. And we don't like what he wants us to do. But can I tell you the truth tonight you may want to write down? You don't have to like the plan. You just need to love the planner. You don't have to like the plan. You just need to love the planner. My life changed radically uh, two and a half years ago when I got married and then even more radically when I had a kid. Can I tell you what my Saturdays used to be, uh, what they used to consist of? Here's what my Saturday used to look like. Maybe some of it looks like this for you, too. Uh, I used to wake up on Saturday. I used to go to the gym for about two hours, maybe even two and a half if I felt like lifting a little heavy, you know, trying to get like trip. Uh, that's, I would put two and a half hours in the gym. Then I would go home, turn on college game day, watch that for a few hours, maybe pick up some Zaxby's on my way. And then at about, yeah, y'all like, yellow Zaxby's. And then at like three o'clock, I would leave and go play some basketball. Or maybe if it was raining outside, I would just play some PS3 or PS4 whatever I had uh, that's and then at like seven o'clock I would come back to the house and watch some more football you know I'd get ready for the eight o'clock primetime game and I'd watch that till about 11 11 30 then maybe stay up for a little bit more and then go to bed that was my Saturday can I tell you what my Saturday consists of now not that you really care but I'm gonna tell you anyways here's here's what I do now I wake up, I cook breakfast for my family, some bacon, because that's God's gift to us, bacon. And so uh, I cook some bacon, and then, and then here's what I do. I go uh, to Babies R Us, and then I go to Target. Right, Chase? You agree? And then uh, next I go to the grocery store, and then I go to the park, and I just walk around the park with no agenda, just walking. And not by myself, with my wife and my kid. Babies R Us, Target. Grocery store, park, maybe the mall. And let me tell you something. Do you think I like doing this? No. I don't like. I don't really like the plans for my Saturday. But can I tell you something? I love the person who's planning it, and that's my wife. And this is what she loves to do. I love the planner. I don't like the plans, but I love the planner. And so I just go about the plans because I love who's making the plans. You follow me? So that's, and, and, and let me tell you this, and the more that I do the plan, and the more that I just fall in love with the planner, I actually start to enjoy the plan. I actually, so yesterday my wife says, hey babe, when you get home from work, do you want to go to Costco? I said, I would love to go to Costco. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Costco sounds awesome to me right now. That's a great place. Listen to me. You don't have to necessarily like how God has designed for you to do life. But if you'll just love the designer and love the planner, eventually you'll start to love how he's designed for you to live life. You may not, like, like, like how he's called me to love people isn't, isn't how I want to do it. But because he's God and that's his plan, I do it anyways. And what I've found is that the more that I do it, 
the more that I like it. And it's really hard to forgive someone who's not worthy of your forgiveness in your eyes. But the more that you do it and the more that you fall in love with the planner and the one that designed life to be that way, the more that you start to actually enjoy forgiving people who don't deserve it. The more that it just becomes a, yep, that's what I'm going to do. No questions asked. That's how I'm going to do it. You don't have to like the plan. You just need to love the planner. Some of you, some of you are trying to decide. You're comparing your options. God's plan, what other people are saying. Which one am I going to do? You're comparing options. Some of you, you've already decided you want to go after God's plan. You want to go after God. Listen up. You want to go after God's plan. But there are times that he prompts you to do something. There are times he gives you like a little message. I want you to go sit next to that person in the lunchroom who no one else will sit next to. He gives you those little prompts, right? I want you to start a Bible study at your school. He gives you these, I want you to go on a mission trip. He gives you these little prompts. And you're not comparing options, you're comparing outcomes. You're comparing, but if I do that, what's going to happen? If I go sit with that person, then maybe my reputation gets ruined, and then and what happens when? Or if I go on that mission trip, then I'm going to miss out on something else and all these outcomes, and, and maybe I could do this another way. I'll just serve at the church. And you start jeopardizing what God has actually called you to for what you want to do. And can I just tell you, you have no idea the reason why God's called you to do something. You have no idea that the outcome that he wants to come from that situation. When he asks you to go sit next to someone, when he asks you to stand up for someone who's getting bullied, when he asks you to, to serve on a team, when he asks you to pray over someone at age 12, when he asks you to lead a small group, when he asks you to do something, you, you don't know why God wants you to do that. Your job isn't to know the outcome. It's just to be faithful with what he's asked you to do. I love the story of Peter. How many of you have heard the story of Peter in the Bible? It's a great story. There's a story of Peter in the Bible, and, and, and I'll just real quick, I'll just kind of give you a summary. Basically, Peter and the disciples are out on the boat, and Jesus is walking on water, right? It's, it's one of the miracles. He walked on water. is amazing. And Peter decides he's going to get out of the boat and walk to Jesus. Incredible faith. It's a phenomenal story. So he gets out of the boat, he walks to Jesus, and then he loses faith. He starts to sink. Jesus stretches his hand down. He picks him up. It's an awesome story. Maybe I'll preach it to you some other time if Chase invites me back. Uh, but Jesus picks him up out of the water, and it's this amazing moment. And they walk back to the boat, and guess what? I would think that there would be some sort of recollection of how Peter's life was changed because of this moment that happened in his life. There'd be some sort of something where Peter says, and because of that, my life was changed forever. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says they got back to the boat and everyone else in the boat began to worship Jesus. And then the story ends. Is it possible that the whole reason why it happened had nothing to do with Peter, but had everything to do with the people that were back in the boat? See, the reason why God wanted this to happen was for the other people in the boat to get a better revelation of who Jesus was and begin to worship him. You have no idea what God wants to do with your life when he asks you to step out and do something and you don't know why. Can I just tell you, it may have nothing to do with you and it may have, have everything to do with someone else who's watching. Trust, trust that what God wants to do is way bigger than what you want to do. You tracking with me still? Are we good? Almost done. Let me give you the second thing here. Number two reason 
why I think we don't have faith like Noah is we don't have the patience or the persistence to wait on the promise. Had fun with the alliteration there. Forgive me. <laughs> Listen, we as a society are not patient people. You know that? We hate to wait. If you have to wait for longer than 15 minutes in the line at Chick-fil-A, are you a little angry? Come on, if I have to wait for too long, I'm starting to question leadership. Like, who's the manager of this, this place? Uh, what's going on here? Does someone not schedule properly? Probably Chris Holcomb. Does someone not schedule this right? Do we not have enough employees? Are we not hiring properly? Why do I have to wait so long? We hate waiting, right? It's the worst. I was asking uh, Kara, our worship leader, before service tonight. I said, Kara, uh, how long have you been playing guitar? She said she's been playing since she was 15. And I said, when did you... Like, when did you feel like God was calling you to lead worship, like, with your life? She said, when I was 17. Kara right now is 21 years old. Let me, let me just kind of walk this out for you. Kara decided that she would begin learning to play guitar and leading worship, knowing that this was God's call on her life way before she got a job at 12 Song. And technically, she doesn't really even have a job. She's like in training intern. So Kara was faithful to obey what God had asked her to do long before she saw the promise fulfilled for what God wanted to do with her life. So Kara has no idea how God wants to use her as a worship leader. But she's being faithful in the little things along the way. I was thinking about Noah in this story. I think the most amazing thing about Noah in this story is the amount of time that he put into building this boat before ever seeing a drop of rain. Listen up, I'm almost done. Y'all pay attention. He built this boat for 100 years without ever seeing a drop of rain. You know what he had to do? Remind himself constantly, I'm just going to do what God's asked me to do. I'm just going to do what God's asked me to do. Long before I see the purpose behind it, long before I ever see the fruit from my work, I'm just going to do what God has asked me to do over and over and over and over again. Over and over and over again. Long before I even see a raindrop. I'm just going to love that person long before I ever see why God wanted me to love them. I'm just going to forgive that person long before I ever see the reason why. I'm just going to go sit with that person long before. I'm just going to go start that Bible study when I really don't even know why or long before I ever see the results of it. I'm just going to do what God has asked me to do in the little things. Be faithful over and over and over again. Listen to me. Life is much less about the big event and more about the small obedience over and over and over again. Following Jesus is a journey of small, consistent obedience just every day over and over and over again. Where has God asked you to be obedient in the small things? And you don't really know why. You don't know what he's leading you to. You haven't even seen the result of it. 
It's just what he's asked you to do. Today, here's what he's asking me to do. Today, this is my calling. Today, this is my mission. I don't know why. I don't know what it'll lead to. I don't know the result. I'm just going to do what he's asked me to do. That's a faith like Noah. And you may say, yeah, but, but Noah had a promise that he was going. Noah knew it was going to rain. He had a reason to build a boat. Can I, can I tell you a promise that you have that I think is worthy of going after? The promise that you have on your life is that God can do way more with your simple yes to him over and over and over again than you could ever do on your own. He can do way more with your yes than you could ever do on your own. One of my favorite verses is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It said, God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than anything that I could ever ask or imagine according to his purpose at work in me. God's able to do it all. He's able to do exceedingly more. That's the promise you have, is that every day if you will wake up and say, God, I give you my yes. Whatever you ask me to do today, I give it to you, and I trust that you can do way more with it. One day you will look back and go, wow, I had no idea why God asked me to do that. But I did it, and now I see. Now I can see why. I had no idea why he wanted me to be friends with that person that no one would be friends with. But now I can see it all. It's all unfolding. He wanted to do way more with it than I could ever even imagine. I want to tell you a story, and then I'll let you guys go. Nine years ago, I moved uh, to Lynchburg, Virginia from Swanee, Georgia. Moved from Swanee to Lynchburg, Virginia to go to college. And I, I left a group of friends here in Swanee that I kind of grown up with, played sports with, and they were, my, they were my boys, you know. But part of the reason why I was moving was because I knew that they were going down a path that I didn't really want to go down. I knew I had to separate myself from them or else I was going to go down it with them. And so I moved. <laughs> that was my, my answer. Uh, moved six and a half hours away. But there was one of my buddies that I felt like God said, you need to stay in touch with that person. And there's wisdom in separating yourself from people that are leading you down the wrong path. But God, God told me specifically, you need to stay in touch with this guy. I got something for that. That was nine years ago. And we went about our life, but I just kind of constantly, randomly just kept reaching out to him. Had no idea why. Still, you know, it's still kind of coming together. But even after college, we went our separate ways. I moved to Tennessee. He's in Georgia. And then uh, I moved back to Georgia a year ago. And so I knew he was about an hour away in Georgia. So I've just kind of kept reaching out to him. And we've gotten a chance to hang out every now and then. No big deal. But I just kept feeling like God was kind of bringing something together. Like the reason he told me nine years ago to stay in touch with this guy, like something was about to happen. And last week I get a call from my friend from, you know, back in the day. And he said, hey, man, I just accepted a job in Swanee. My wife and my kid and I are going to be moving to Swanee. And he said, would you like to go to lunch with me? And I said, absolutely. And I just got this glimpse and this thought of, of maybe the reason why God asked me to do that nine years ago was because I'm about, I'm about to see the rain. It hasn't come yet, but the rain's coming. And the reason why God asked me to obey him nine years ago and consistently over nine years ago, I had no idea why, but I think it's coming. And I got plans. I'm going to invite him to church. And I'm going to get my, my little like, behind-the-scenes things. I'm going you know, to get him here. And I believe my friend Jared and his family are going to come to know Jesus. I'm believing God for that. I think that's the rain that's coming.
But listen, my responsibility isn't to bring the rain. My responsibility was to be obedient in building the ark and to do what God asked me to do nine years ago and for the past nine years. And on his timing, he'll bring the rain. But it's coming. It's coming. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just want to ask you a question and pray over you. Where's God asking you to be obedient? Where is God asking you just to do the little things? Just, it just seems like a small thing right now. Just stay in touch with that person. It seems small, but you got no idea what he wants to do. And then if you think you know what that is, I would just ask you, do you have the courage to do it? Would you ask for God's help in giving you the courage to do it? Because what he wants to do through you and through that is far greater than anything that you could ever ask or imagine. If you'll trust him with it, I promise he'll do it.